0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL podcast in our Bears and our Cheers and Dares episode, where we review our favorite horror movie scare of the week and give you the NFL bets that we dare to make. My name is Akun Wong, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me, as always, for our dares and dares episodes, Speaker staff writer, Joanne.
0: Oh. Hey, everyone. How are you doing, Joanne? Good, thanks.
1: <laughs> All right, so we're now in the offseason after a thrilling Super Bowl 57, in which not only did the Kansas City Chiefs win one, but both Joanne and I also won uh, as we were 100% correct on our Super Bowl player props. So, as a reminder to everybody, uh, Joanna picked the tight ends from both teams. Travis Kelce, over 79.5 total receiving yards, and Dallas Goddard at over 46.5 total receiving yards. They beat of though. Kelce had 81. Goddard had... So, barely, but still counts. Still counts. Still counts. I took Isaiah Pacheco and Kenneth Gainwell, the two running backs. Isaiah Pacheco over 67.5 total rushing and receiving yards, and Gainwell over 33.5 total rushing and receiving yards. Pacheco had 76 needed it on the ground alone, and Gainwell combined his touches for 41 yards, including the 33.5. So we're both winners. What a great way to end. Uh,
0: definitely. been <laughs> going 50-50 for a while.
1: Yeah, I know. We're only, we're going. To, we, hey, listen, we wanted to end off on a bang, and we did for you. But we're not stopping now because we are now in the off and we are going to talk about our way too early bets for AFC and NFC conference championships in the 2023 season. All right, we got plenty to talk about, so let's get this
0: rolling.
1: All right, our scare of the week this, uh, this week is the is the 2021 movie Superhost, a movie that you can find streaming on Shudder and on AMC Plus. Uh, Superhost is uh, again it's from 2021, checking in at a brisk one hour and 30 minutes. Uh, directed by Brandon Christensen, produced by Curtis David Harder and Brandon Christensen, written by Brandon Christensen is a triple threat right there, uh, and of course. Starring Sarah Canning, Osric Chow, and the great Gracie Gillum. So, with that said, we're going to give you a little bit of background on Superhost, and then we'll tell you a little bit about what we thought about the movie. So, some background here. Claire, played again by Sarah Canning, and her co-host boyfriend, Teddy. Osric Chow are travel vloggers, or travel vloggers, actually who visit vacation rentals such as Airbnbs and they review them on their video channel. So Claire is worried that they're losing subscribers and in part blames Teddy for not taking it serious enough. But Teddy is an optimist just looking forward to the next big adventure and he just enjoys filming the show. Claire and Teddy arrive at a highly rated rental after coming out some bad rental experiences and Teddy secretly plans to propose to Claire filming his preparation on his own private social media. Claire and Teddy are greeted by an overly friendly Rebecca, played by Gracie Gillum, who seems aggressively preoccupied of getting a good review from Claire and Teddy. And this isn't unfounded, seeing as how one of the previous places they reviewed uh, and gave a poor review from uh, ended up having to close up and results in an angry owner confronting them at their new rental. Rebecca, of course, steps in and, th- and, and threatens the other owner before throwing her off the property, uh, Teddy proposes to Claire, and uh, during one of their walks, and sets it up. And she thinks it's a filming, <laughs> a filming op for their video. But it turns out he was he was actually uh, serious about it. He gets turned down. Claire wants to stay with Teddy, but she doesn't really want to get married, which leads to some awkwardness between the pair as should try to complete their video review. of The rental. Now, throughout their stay, Rebecca has this habit of sneaking up on Claire and Teddy, while also seeming to have an immense amount of anxiety over their satisfaction in fact rebecca implies more than once that she'd do anything to get a good review claire thinks that rebecca's quirky personality would be good to get on uh their video to get more subscribers and talks teddy into interviewing rebecca which leads to an unsettling interview about her history and the history she had with the home they're staying in and things continue to get unsettling as claire and teddy start to believe that there's perhaps more to this house than meets the eye, and that a good review may not be all that Rebecca is looking for. Okay, with that said, I'll stop there with the background. I don't think I spoiled anything. No. And <laughs> good enough setup, I think. Yeah. All right. So, Joanne, what do you think of this movie, Superhost?
0: I liked it I and I don't I think we pretty much say that for all the movies we well we said the big movies that we
1: like right yeah. so, so at a base level it's movies that we would we would watch we were not unhappy that we want
0: I think we should do uh, movies that we dislike give everything <laughs> away and then just say don't watch it right you right you heard it all it
1: would be like dares and dares we dare you to watch this terrible movie <laughs> and sit and <laughs> through it right and then and, and make these bets so uh, yeah maybe we'll, we that's a good spinoff I like spin-off material all right
0: but um yeah i liked this movie um i don't know it was short yeah but it was kind of straight to the point yeah um i think like with the small cast and the very isolated setting they accomplished a lot in this movie but Definitely. i think it's there's been a lot of movies like that recently sure just you know budget wise and it, it I think for horror movies, we always say it, it kind of creates this kind of creepiness and uncertainty when you're when you're trying to do a horror movie and uh, this movie, the setting takes place, you know, in an isolated area, isolated area mm-hmm. surrounded by woods. And mm-hmm. that's always something that you're looking for because when you're running and looking for help, you can never find it. Right. And, so, and you don't have to
1: need any more cash members. Yeah. So
0: it's like, it's ideal <laughs> just for your budget. Yes. It's ideal because, you know, too many people, you know, you might actually get the help you're looking for. And that then where that lead? Right. Then the
1: so, movie kind of falls just off the rails, yeah. off the rails. No <laughs> longer a horror movie. It's just reality. And nobody <laughs> wants to see that. No, but that being said, I think that they did a great job of picking a location and spot that, that encouraged this anxiety, this kind of made it uh, this tension that they've created because of the isolated nature of the location and the style of the house. Because mm-hmm. it was very open for, on one end and actually quite, um, quite big. So mm-hmm. it allowed for things to happen around the house and caused our two protagonists, Claire and Teddy, to be worried about things you know hearing things around the house in the middle of the night there's a lot of windows so there's a lot of this kind of like is there somebody out there type of thing and that happens they use that more than once throughout the movie
0: well I think that's the thing about large windows is that it's beautiful to look out you know into like when right. you have like a very scenic area sure one day at, at the same time you know, at, like you said, at night, there's so much darkness out there and you don't know who's looking in. Right. And you're basically a,
1: um, you're basically a, an exhibit. And yeah. it's because you're lighting up the house from the inside. Yeah. And everyone can see in. And that, that's why I say it's very interesting because they use this trope numerous times throughout the movie where Teddy would stand on the outside banister and look out and say, do I see something? Mm -hmm. Or we'll look through the window and say, do I see something? Or when the lights are out, even in the middle of the night, they get up, do I see something? So it's a lot of playing with your eyes uh, that they do and based on the fear that you might be, somebody might be peeking in on this big house.
0: And like on the, and also like on the other side, I think, I like the way that this movie kind of touches on this whole big thing that's been going on with the vacation rent yeah the Airbnbs yeah. and
1: the verbos uh-huh. and stuff like that I, yeah. I mean
0: because like, I, I I do like that because we read all the time about like troubles trouble renters have as well as troubles owners have right sure and And I think this movie, within the amount of time that they had, did a good job touching on both of those
1: fears. Right. And of course, other movies uh, focus on that more, like The Rental, obviously very much focused on the entire Airbnb fear, and Barbarian even, uh, dealing with the kind of double booking issue. Yes. So certainly, there's uh, lots of movies that touched on this. And this is a little bit different, because it touches on that, because you know, quite frankly, it's weird to me, right? This entire Airbnb type business because people have security cameras.
0: Yes. And, and we always talk about that because you could really, the fact that there's a camera there and that someone could just turn it on. Right. It's a very – it's an invasion of privacy, and it's a very frightening kind of idea. Yeah,
1: and you are got to rely on the red light to go on? I mean, come on. You can't put a piece of black tape over that? I mean, (laughs) mean, you don't know if somebody's watching you or not. You don't. You know, and obviously it's there for security, and I get it. And I I think it's interesting because the vacation rental industry has really changed dramatically. Mm -hmm. Obviously, hotels were very different. Now these private rentals are owned by private individuals and they're kind of monitored by a large corporation, but no one's going in there and double-checking to make sure that these owners aren't doing something a little bit weird right. or shady. Uh, and, and I think they play into the those fears
0: But on the flip side, like, renters also could be doing shady things. Oh, yeah, things,
1: absolutely. You know? Yeah, right. They were, I mean, they absolutely can. And I remember, like, several years ago, there was one out in the Hamptons where the guy was a uh, hedge fund guy. Yes, and rented, he had absolutely yeah. destroyed the house he rented. But he, it was all over Instagram yes. <laughs> because all his friends posted it up. So he got yeah. caught. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is that sometimes you don't know as an yeah. owner. So the shadiness goes both ways. But right. it's interesting because it's a privately owned mm-hmm. piece of property and it's being used by the general public who don't know.
0: And another area that this movie touches on is also um, Claire and Teddy, yes, who yes. are vloggers, right? Absolutely. So now we it's how much, like, this kind of media, you know, influence, like, people have in these rentals. Absolutely. And I think, like, they really do touch on, like, Because this is their career. Like this is how they make money. And the fact that Claire is so obsessed in losing subscribers, it really goes to show like how finicky people are when it comes to these things. Right, right. And we know because we do this much. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Thankfully, (laughs) it's not the source of our survival. Otherwise, we'd be dead by the
1: side of the road by now and starving somewhere. But that (laughs) that being said, uh, you know, the other part of this, I think flipping it over is Rebecca, obviously. And I think the thing about Rebecca's character, is that she is just enough unhinged. I mean, pr- you, you probably don't know somebody who's that unhinged, but you probably know people who are like that, who are very reliant on other people's satisfaction. And that is something that they kind of express through her, almost the in-person form of how desperate people are to get that type of review on public media. Because
0: it does a lot for rentals. Absolutely. Yeah. But
1: not only that, but just just getting getting that type of affirmation on social media generally uh, or media generally, is something that, you know, has been a really big deal. So she's really kind of the epitome of that type of character, uh, although much, 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 much more unhinged. So uh, very interesting there. So let's go ahead and turn over and talk about the thing you like most and like least. What do you like most and what do you like least about the movie?
0: The thing I liked most about the movie is Rebecca. Of course. The so Rebecca character. And yeah. I think I've told you this, like, and we discussed it after we watched the movie, But she just did a great job. Yeah,
1: Gracie Gillum did a terrific job. And,
0: you know, like, you had mentioned how, you know, she becomes unhinged. But when you watch her in the beginning, like, of the movie, you don't think she is an unhinged person. Well,
1: unhinged, not necessarily dangerous unhinged, just unhinged in that she is overly reliant on this type of, you know, If if you're going to say that's
0: unhinged, yes. But, you know, I think she just comes off as someone who is relying on this review. Right, and someone who needs it, they want to make it, you know, this to be her income, and she needs it to be good, like any bad review is going to as, be as very saw. detrimental. As we
1: saw, so they had a previous owner in a previous place that they got a bad review show up and and complain, throw a rock at them basically, yeah. saying like, I can't believe it, you've basically ruined my life Yeah, by putting on this bad review, so the impact of the media is uh, pretty expansive there. But so. without
0: giving anything away, Rebecca's trans Formation or transition I just thought was great it just well, made the movie I, think, I thought it um, made the
1: obviously movie. Gracie what Gracie Gillum did in playing the Rebecca character was absolutely essential it was it wasn't just the um it was the facial expressions it was the mannerisms right. it was everything it really carried the story I thought right no that's did. <laughs> and it
0: without her I think this movie just could not exist it would be
1: a run-of-the-mill movie that would probably be something that you pass by and watch if you're bored but mm-hmm. with her in it it becomes something a little bit more elevated than I that. Think so, what did you like least about the movie?
0: Uh, the thing I liked least, and I also told you this, were the two bloggers. Sure. Right. And the, the and not about the acting. Not, I don't think. No, it is maybe it even is acting. I don't even know. <laughs> but they were just so mundane and boring, and and I it was just like the characters were just so uninteresting.
1: I well, I don't know if they're. I mean, I don't think they're that mundane.
0: I mean, I, I think, just thought they were. Uh, it, it was the common, you know, like I think you know, wannabe internet personality persona. True. But that it they have that trade. kind of like kind of and underlying if, narrative. And though. if they could do that, you know, yes, good for their acting, but yes. their characters, you know, putting aside whatever acting it is, their characters were just, I just was so boring to watch.
1: No, I don't think, I mean, listen, Teddy, I thought they were very different personalities. Teddy obviously wanted, was proposing. If this movie was, was about issue.
0: Claire and Teddy, I would have turned it off. Of
1: course, I don't think anybody. I would have turned it off. But, it
0: was just like, I'm like, <laughs> yes, okay, you're bloggers. Good
1: okay. for you. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. So I I also like Gracie Gillum the most about it. I also like the way the movie ended. I won't, I won't ruin that for anybody, but I like the way the movie ended. And uh, what I like least is actually, if you think about the story too much, uh, there are some issues with the setup, and I won't say anything more because I don't want to spoil it, but after you watch it, go back and try and work it through in your head, and it might start to hurt a little bit. Let's give us a, give us your scarometer on a 1 to 10.
0: You know what? Um, One
1: being, by the way, not scary at all. Ten yes. being super scary. You
0: know, like, originally I gave this, um, I think, a four. Yep. But the more and more I thought about it, um, I want to reduce it to a three. Okay, that's fine.
1: Yeah. You, can, you don't have to reduce it three. You can just go three. Uh, it,
0: well, <laughs> originally, a four is not official. Well, it's unofficial. But originally I thought it's not scary. Okay. Um, but it's also not, not scary uh-huh. because just the idea of it. I think with the cameras with the, with you know Rebecca's character but at the same time I'm just like you know what it's
1: well, the themes are more unsettling than they are scary yeah, that's <laughs> that's, what I mean. but I think unsettling is is plays into that, so I would give it a four on a scary meter. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like jump scares and gore, no. right I mean it was more psychological and it was tension
0: psychological, but there was also actual physical yeah, there was yeah. some danger
1: and some uh-huh. issues obviously that, that was there but but like the, I think the underlying the the bulk of the scareiness um. of the movie I think is the tension yeah, they building the tension and the kind of unsettling nature of. All the characters and what their true, um, you know, goals are mm-hmm. in this. All right. So let's go ahead and go down to uh, the, the star rating. Before we do that, I'll give you what's on Rotten Tomatoes. On the tomato meter out of 27 reviews, it's got a 85%. The critics consensus is Gracie Gillum's four star performance helps Superhost roll out a blood red carpet for horror fans seeking delightfully grim accommodations. Uh, audience score, actually, strangely enough, slightly below that at 50%. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a little interesting there. But uh, critics loved it. Audience score about 50-50. Mm-hmm. What do you have on your star rating out of four? 2.5. All
0: right.
1: I have a three out of four. Oh. I actually really enjoyed it uh, for its brief. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was a very straightforward story, but there are just enough twists to keep me interested throughout and one throughout the one and a half hour runtime, which I thought was nicely paced. And Gracie Gillum was... An absolute gem. I thought that obviously the movie would not work without her, but she made the movie just ex- exceptional, in my opinion. No, now, I, not four exceptional, but uh, three exceptional.
0: all uh, right that's funny because those are all the reasons why I gave it two point five. No, interesting. <laughs> yeah, okay, so, all right, all right. Yeah.
1: But so, so uh, you know, all those things combined obviously make for a good viewing experience. I think definitely, uh, and
0: I think like with the hour and a half time frame, like you can't go wrong. And it does. It's a very you don't, it's very brisk. You don't feel like even it's yeah, like an it's hour a It's not and hanging. Half. Yeah. It doesn't hang. It doesn't Every hang. Every scene has something. Yeah,
1: it moves forward with purpose, for yeah. sure. All right. Well, that is our review of Superhost, a 2021 horror movie uh, streaming on Shudder or AMC+. Plus. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, and with that said, let's go ahead and hit the boxing bell on this one, because we yeah. want to turn our attention to our bets, because it's the off season, Everybody and we're going to turn to the NFC and AFC championship winner bets that we dare to make for the 2023 season. What? Oh, my God, it's so early. <laughs>
0: no information.
1: <laughs> well, we have a little bit of – oh, you're right. We have basically no information. Yeah. We have a little bit of information.
0: Because we don't know what changes are going to happen, yeah. so, you know, in between now and the, when the season begins. True.
1: Well, We know what changes aren't – I mean, well, we know some of the changes that aren't going to happen, though, because we do know who are who are not free agents, so we know who won't be moving along. Yeah. <laughs> At least we know that. All right, so why don't you give us your AFC? the championship conference winner for 2023.
0: So with no information except for the 2022 season, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. All
1: right, the Buffalo Bills at plus 450 right now. That's the second-ranked um, rated ranked version in, ter- uh, in terms of odds, the second-rated option for AFC Championship winner. The Kansas City Chiefs being the first at plus 350, Bengals at plus 500, Chargers at plus 1,100, Ravens at plus 1,100, and the Jets, whoa, at yeah. plus 1,400. You got the Bills at plus yeah. 450. Why is that?
0: You know, it's funny because um, some people might think, like, oh, this isn't too much of a stretch. Uh, the Bills are always ranked above the top. Yeah. And that's true. But right. the thing is, they're ranked at the top, and yet they have yet to get to the, you know, the to Bowl. win the yeah, – Yeah, to get to the Super Bowl and win the conference championship. Yeah. Like, why is that? I have no idea. I mean, they've been favored for the last three years, and yeah. yet they have not been able to get there. Yeah. It's very, very disturbing, and well,
1: I don't know why. <laughs> it, is, it is a little bit odd, and I, and I don't really know exactly what's going on with that, but I think that ultimately, you're right. They are a, an option that is always there. Um, it's just a question of what's going to happen um, this year, and I think what we know is not going to happen is that they're not going to blow up the team.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you looked at um, who was gonna be up for free agency, and there's not that many people in the Bills that are actually up for free agency. Right. But you know, but at the same time, I, the Bills have done. Uh... <laughs> we just... I'm uh, okay. So
1: everyone, that is just a little bit of sound effects there. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed that. We will not be hearing that again. All right, go ahead. <laughs> so the
0: so the bills. going to
1: censor your review. You I know you were
0: you you obviously hate them. <laughs> yeah. I don't even understand why, but um the bills have all been doing great the past few years. I mean, the, I even this year, uh they have the fourth most points scored. Uh, they would have been the third if they had played 17 games like everyone else. Right. Uh, they were twelve points behind the Dallas Cowboys sure. with four hundred and fifty-five points. They could have easily made that up if they played seventeen games. Right. Um, they're the they're the fourth most offensive yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Allen tied for the second most TDs in a regular season with Joe Burrow. Yeah. Who also only played sixteen games. Yeah, yeah. So you don't know where that would have went. Right. And they have the seventh most passing yards this year. Yeah. So Josh Allen had the seventh most passing yards. The Buffalo's defense. Allowed the second least amount of points this season and the six fewest yards in the league in the regular season, I yeah. mean, like all these stats, like yeah, they're great, right? Like you would think that they would have made it so far, and the fact that they didn't, I think comes down to maybe the uh later part of the season, yeah. Um and especially like the last few games, like yeah, I don't know what it is. Honestly, I just
1: like that they didn't play well in the in that game against the Bengals, and uh, and you know it's a little bit it's strange.
0: And not just that game, but a couple of games before that too, they were just a little off sync and. Yeah, I don't know really what it is.
1: Well, you know, the end of the season was a little bit strange for them as well. You know, the the Mar Hamlin incident, um, you know, they obviously weren't focused so much on that. And honestly, the Bills, had they won that game against the Bengals that Monday night, they would have had the bye week. Uh, going into the playoffs, that could have changed a lot of things for them in terms of the way that things turned out for this year. So you're right. They were basically one game away, you know, both seasons.
0: I mean, their defense, exceptional. They had the uh, fourth most takeaways, no fumbles and interceptions. So they tied with Philadelphia, Jacksonville, and Houston for that number. But if they had played their 17th game, it probably wouldn't have been tied. Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, we do also do kind of see problems because while we were looking at those stats, we also saw that they had the third most giveaways, which Not was yeah, Not their offense had 27 interceptions and fumbles. Right. And they're still kind of struggling in their run game. Yeah, that's I mean, you yeah. you need to have more than Josh Allen using his legs. Well,
1: and uh, Devin Singletary up for – uh, an unrestricted free agent this year, so clearly – a question there um, concerning whether he will be coming back because they got James Cook as a, um, a rookie last year who did quite well uh, in the backfield. So that's definitely true. And then of course on defense, you only got uh, Jordan Poirier and Tremaine Edmonds to try to recapture. Uh, theoretically, they should be able to get back at least Tremaine Edmonds. So we'll see where it goes from there, but yeah. you're right. Most of the team will be intact right. going into the 2023 season.
0: But as we know, like Stefan Diggs was really unhappy at the end of the last uh regular season game I mean, just I think they're I don't know if they could really come together, hopefully they can, so it's a little bit more cohesive in the in the twenty twenty three season but yeah they I feel like there are maybe some underlining issues there that you know us as fans and we're yeah. not in the locker room' we're not there on practice that we don't know of
1: sure right and we won't we won't we probably won't know but right plus 450 pretty good odds so you take the buffalo bills and afc side i will be taking the cincinnati bengals on the afc side at plus 500 i actually like those odds a lot because i've been on the bengals bandwagon for quite some time you now have, and this you season have. in particular i thought they were going to be the ones that make it to the super bowl so they're plus 500 for 2023 uh, i don't think i have to make much of a case here for the bengals cuz we saw what joe burrow and jamar chase Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon could do on the offense. And they've done it two years in a row now. And the biggest improvement they had was that Joe Burrow was sacked on average 3.2 3. Time, 3. times per game in the 2021 season. And he was sacked just 2.7 times per game in the 2022 season. Why is that? Well, improvements in the O-line for sure. But also Burrow, and we talked about this before, when we talked about the AFC Conference Championship game, Burrow was able to get rid of the ball quickly fastest time from snap to throw of any QB at just 2.55 seconds and that's in part responsible for why Chase and Higgins both had 1,000 plus receiving yard seasons and 16 total touchdowns that and of course Burrow having the second most passing yards per game at 279.7 and the second most passing touchdowns last season even when playing one less game than the 30 other teams and perhaps more surprisingly of all the bed don't break Bengals defense tied for allowing the fifth least points per game to opposing teams. So I think the Bengals have all the right pieces. They don't have any uh, major pieces that are looking to be replaced or uh, picked up in the off season. Um, Everybody's going to be back there for one more run. It's going to get really expensive come next year, of course, with T Higgins and Burrow and, and Jamar Chase, you know, having to extend all those guys. But right now, They really don't have a lot of folks that they have to focus on. Probably look at maybe kicking back Von Bell, Eli Apple, um, perhaps Trey Flowers. But you you don't, you know, you can take some combination of that and maybe do some of those in terms of uh, the draft as well. So I think that there is plenty of opportunity here for the Cincinnati Bengals to run this back. And I like the odds at plus 500.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it just comes down to what I was saying, you know, why the Bills can't win. It's just like the, you know, teams just have off days and those off days are really just what contributes when it really counts to getting to that next stage.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But you know, but like Burrow essentially, I mean, he lost, they lost not because of Joe Burrow. I mean, he obviously did his, uh, you know, let's give some credit where credit's due. The Chiefs defense stepped up at the back end of the postseason. Oh, they definitely did. And Um, I had
0: commented on that. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And that's part of the reason why they won the Super Bowl as well. But that being said, um, you know, Burrow did what he had to do. Offense did basically what it had to do. Defense had a little bit of a glitch, and that was to kind of let them down at the end of the day. Um, but it wasn't a huge loss, you know? This was like a, this was a, a, a field goal loss to a Kansas City Chiefs team that had home field advantage. So, you know, this is a team, this same Bengals team, I think has a lot of potential mm-hmm. moving in the next season. We'll see. All right. Let's move to the NFC side. Who you got as your NFC championship winner?
0: Um, so this one was... Um, it's much harder. Yeah. NFC is
1: much harder than the It
0: is. It is. Because you kind of feel like in the AFC, like one of those top teams are going to pr- probably take it because they're so dominant. Like yeah. Kansas City, the Bills, uh, you know, the, uh, the Bengals, they're just so dominant they in, are. That, in that sector. So but, but who is that for the NFC? I think they're still trying to figure it out. Yep. And I know right now everyone is thinking 49ers and Eagles. Yes. And, uh, and, of course, based on the betting the Cowboys. But, you know, I kind of disagree with that. Okay. I, I, I want to say, like, sometimes history does not repeat itself, unlike the AFC. And... Right. <laughs> Which
1: history almost always <laughs> repeats yes. itself. Um,
0: and that, point. like, the NFC has more room where people can actually go up and go right. down. A lot more uh, rise and fall. Yeah. Fall for so, NFC. so for my NFC um, early 2023 conference pick. Yep. I'm gonna pick the Detroit Lions.
1: Yeah, that's bold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's bold. Detroit Lions at 1100. But a plus eleven hundred payout, right? If they yeah. make it. Great, great payout. Uh-huh. So just to recap where we are right now in the betting odds. Uh, San Francisco 49ers, as you mentioned, is number one at plus three fifty. Eagles at plus four hundred. Cowboys at plus six hundred. And the Detroit Lions are next at plus eleven hundred, followed by the Rams at plus thirteen hundred and the Packers at plus fourteen hundred. I'm sure that will change depending on what happens to Aaron Rodgers. But let's uh, let's go back to this then. You got the Detroit Lions at plus eleven hundred. Great payout.
0: Yes. So the Detroit Lions are um, are going to enter the 2023 season. Rightfully with this momentum that they had picked up at the oh, end yeah. of the 2022. Absolutely. Second half
1: of that season, they were on yeah. fire.
0: The last 10 games, they won eight out of the 10 games that they've... Played. Yep, And not to mention, they finished with a 9-8 and record, which made them second in their division. Yeah,
1: I mean, seeing w- w- as how they had most of those losses before the <laughs> halfway through the season, that is really impressive.
0: And not only that, but they beat the Green Bay Packers twice. Yeah, so, love to see that. All those things. I mean, and even the last Season game when they played the Packers. Yeah. Like their only objective was we're gonna make sure the Packers don't get into the postseason, and they accomplished, yep. they accomplished that. They accomplished that, and I think did. you can't beat that momentum. And of course, you do have a lot of time before. 2023 starts right but that's where they could really focus on developing this team to make it a little better yep so why the Detroit Lions well they're the third most they had the third most offensive yards behind Kansas City and Philadelphia yeah
1: surprisingly
0: they have the fifth most points in the regular season behind the Chiefs Eagles Cowboys and Bills. yep and then, you know, like, you got to give it to Jerkoff. I didn't have much faith in him when the Lions picked he, him up. He
1: over-exceeded expectations by, very, by a very large margin. <laughs> he has the
0: six most passing yards in the regular season. And they give the offensive line some credit, only 23 sacks. Yeah, so, no, I mean, really good. And, you know, they're in the, um, when we're talking about giveaways and takeaways, I mean, their offensive line, only 15 Total uh, interception and fumbles, the fewest in the entire league for right. that season.
1: Right, right. So
0: I, so that is like a lot of credit to the Detroit Lions offense, which yep. I think puts them in good contention to possibly, well, I think definitely um, uh, win their division. Uh-huh. But a really good contention for winning the conference. I mean, I know like. You still got to contest your, the Green Bay. You still yes, got to contest the Vikings. But we don't know what's going to happen with Green Bay. And Vikings, yes, they did They they did have a good season, right. but yet...
1: They ultimately became a mirage because Kirk Cousins is not good enough. Yeah, but that being said, I mean, dude, like, Justin Jefferson is, you know... <laughs> they
0: had pitfalls, though. They yeah. had pitfalls. So, so I think in their offseason, if they could really work on their defense, like, this team could really, really be contention for, you know, winning the conference.
1: Okay, I like it. Detroit Lions at plus 1,100. I'm not going to be that daring. I'm actually going to take one of the top three. I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys at plus 1,100. Know,
0: Support I that. know you
1: can't support you that. Can't support that. Yeah, but, so this is it. I mean, obviously, the, this, it's a big question mark in NFC because the 49ers have a major question mark. What are we going to do with the quarterback, right? Because mm-hmm. and obviously Brock Purdy did terrific stepping in, but they they drafted Trey Lance in the first round, and he was supposed to be the starter. Uh, Jimmy G will likely be moving on, but it's a big question mark, and that changes the dynamic of the 49ers all the way around. And then the Eagles, of course, have a ton of uh, unrestricted free agents they have to deal with. But it'll be interesting to see how that shows up. I think the Dallas Cowboys have the best chance of making it there what they got right now. I mean, the Cowboys have Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb. They will still be there, of course. Dak Prescott was extended, and almost the, almost the entirety of their defense will be returning. They have Tony Pollard uh, and Dalton Schultz as unrestricted free agents. I think that will easily be able to bring them back. And they should be able to cut Zeke Elliott, even though he has uh, some time on his contract left, they can they can cut him because they paid the guarantees already. It'll be about a $5 billion hit the cap space, but they can let go of that and spend the money on Tony Pollard instead, which I think they should have done last year, actually. Or they should have done earlier, and they should have never caved and extended Zeke for so long. That being said, uh, I think right now on defense, that's really key. They only really need to bring back Dane Fowler. Jr. and Leighton Van Der Esch, who actually re-signed on a one-year deal last year and had his healthiest and arguably best-rated season of his career. Um, other than that, they have basically all the parts they need to run it back there for a title their offense scored the fourth most points per game at 27.5, and their defense allowed the fifth least amounts of points per game to opposing teams at 20.1. They had the third most sacks in the regular season at 54, just before, uh, just below the Eagles and the Chiefs. I don't see why they can't do this all again. All those numbers, I think those are all repeatable numbers for next year, um, and I like uh, I like them getting the bump in odds early in the offseason, the plus to plus 600. So I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys.
0: Yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I you know, I can't support the Dallas Cowboys and I'm really still skeptical about Zach Prescott and I just don't know. Like I just feel like you know, he's injury prone. He's he just every year he has some issue which really puts the Cowboys at a disadvantage. Ooh, and and that's certainly is which i very very happy about. <laughs> well, I
1: mean, we, And we saw that happen, obviously. This, this last season was no exception. Yeah. Jack Prescott out for four games of an injury. That being said, they still made, you know, they still did really, really well this season, even with him um, out those four games. Uh, I think that if they are 100% healthy, and that's a big if, that's a huge if, uh, they have a great chance of bringing it back.
0: Well, I think that's interesting because it's not like the Dallas Cowboys ever sit really that low um, in the betting odds no. to win the conference championship, and yet um, you know they also can't do it. Yeah, right? that's true. That's true. They're that's, they're the same way. But I, I, you yeah. know,
1: and, and and as luck, you know, we keep in mind that last year the Philadelphia Eagles weren't even in the top ten. Yeah. You know, in terms of... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, we were talking about
0: that. So, I yeah. mean... Uh, Everyone thought, like, the Rams were going to do really well. we well, like, course. really? Like, the Rams? Like- well, I mean, you know, the
1: fact of the matter, the Rams were snake-bitten, right? Because they had all these uh, injuries throughout the season. Yeah, they did, yeah. You know, not only to uh, Stafford, but also Cooper Cup. Yeah. Clearly, if I Cooper Cup, that team falls apart really fast. So, um, at the end of the day, yeah, but the injuries are kind of unpredictable.
0: But that's why they call these the early...
1: Well, that's why these are early odds, right? Yeah, I mean, and you
0: just don't know what's going to happen. And it could
1: be another yeah. team like the Eagles that pop out of nowhere. I, uh, I am
0: hoping that that happens, though. Hey, what happens yeah. if Aaron
1: Rodgers decides to go to the uh, Raiders? Oh. Uh, and then they have Devontae Adams there, and they, you know what I mean? And then and, and Darren Waller, uh, and, Jay, George, and, and Jacobs with his best season of his career. I mean... The Raiders could be uh, in contention. Uh, well, I guess, I guess that would be on the AFC side. But I guess, my point being that there could be yeah, a team. Yeah, that's on the AFC that side. Could, they, and,
0: you know, the problem with that is, like, I cannot support Aaron Rodgers. He's right. such a tool. I, I just can't support well, him. Well, no like, doubt about that. No doubt about that. And team he goes to, I really hope it fails. Well, i just saying there,
1: there could be a team happening. out there that we don't see, sort of like let's, the Eagles were last year.
0: Let's um, hope Aaron Rodgers decides he's going to retire. <laughs> or if he doesn't, he just flops on his face. Like sure. Tom yeah. Brady
1: did. Well, know. I mean Tom Brady did also win a Super Bowl with the Kennedy Buccaneers. <laughs> so this is a complete flop. Uh but yeah, twenty twenty two
0: season. In Brady in terms, making was,
1: <laughs> this right in Brady terms, making the playoffs and losing is a flop of a season, right? Yeah, because he yeah, yeah. typically wins Super Bowls. All right. That's all the time we have. Let's hit the air horn on the show. All right, Jan, why don't you give us your social media so people can follow you?
0: It's at uh, Kung Fu For You on Twitter. All right,
1: so give her a follow and check her out and let her know what you think about those bets. And as usual, thank you for listening and wasting time with us. Until next time, watch those horror movie skaters, make those NFL dares, and
0: enjoy your NFL week. Good luck, everyone.